Today on Melee. United States passes 150,000 coronavirus deaths. Douglas County mask mandate. Protesters arrested Saturday night on the Farnham Street Bridge. Hi, I'm Jeff Collins. Hi, I'm Leslie Swenson. And hi, I'm Joshua LeBure, the producer of the show. It's nice to hear you, man. Lending my voice today. How are you two? I am fantastic. I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty good, you know. I made it I made it through my trip. I'm back. So I'm good. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> oh, thanks, it's good thanks. to have you here. You know, I'm glad to be back. I really am glad to be here, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have your presence in the room. Oh, I feel so good. I'm so glad I'm loved. I'm so glad I love you guys. Yay. <laughs> I feel loved. <laughs> well, there's a lot of news today. There is. It's got, it's got stuff <laughs> going on across the country. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, I guess we should just jump right into Unpack it. some of this. Let's yeah. Let's get into it. As reported by Johns Hopkins, the U.S. passed 150,000 COVID-19 fatalities on Wednesday. There are now more than 4 million confirmed infections across the nation. Three of the most populated states, California, Texas, and Florida, were part of several that set a seven-day record in coronavirus deaths this week, while others set records in new infections according to USA Today. Experts are citing states reopening their economies easing restrictions as a main cause of the surge in cases. I just want to, I do want to put a fine point on this, that we passed 150,000 human beings are dead because of this virus in the United States. Right. It's a shocking number. It's hard to even imagine that many people have died. Mm. And it's because of a complete lack of leadership in this country. Yes. And they still think it's safe to go back to school. When we're at right, we're still talking about opening more things up. We're like four and a half million, over four million cases in general. Like, what's going on, guys? Yeah, and I I just think that it's important that the conversation is still happening and that we're putting a fine point on a hundred and fifty thousand human beings with families, with friends, with um stories, stories and lives are gone. Yeah. And we didn't have to lose that many people. No. Gross no. negligence. Gross negligence. In an agreement with Oregon Governor Kate Brown, Homeland Security have started a phased withdrawal of several agents from downtown Portland. All Customs and Border Protection and ICE officers will leave. However, the Oregon State Police will work with Federal Protective Service officials to maintain a robust law enforcement presence in Portland to ensure the protection of federal property. In an interview with CNN, Homeland Security Deputy Secretary Ken Cusinelli noted that federal officers will still remain in Portland, just not at the federal courthouse. They'll be on a standby status in case the protests turn violent. While federal agents are being removed from Portland, they are being sent elsewhere under the federal crackdown on crime, now being dubbed Operation Legend. Officers have already been sent to Chicago, Kansas City, and Albuquerque. As stated in an announcement from the U.S. Department of Justice on Wednesday, agents will be sent to Cleveland, Detroit, and Milwaukee, all cities run by Democratic mayors. The Trump Statue Initiative places living statues in the Washington, D.C. area to remember the 45th president's worst moments. A group of artists have placed living statues in and around the D.C. area, showing their frustration with the Trump administration. The statues, produced by the Trump Statue Initiative and organized by Brian Buckley, 
featured performance artists painted in gold on pedestals for multi-hour periods, alongside violinist Celeste Lee, who played music which artists have banned Trump from using at rallies. The statues were produced in response to Trump's executive order punishing vandalism against federal monuments in light of destruction and defacing of memorials dedicated to Confederate leaders and problematic historical figures. That is Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The three statues included one called Poser, depicting when Trump used force to clear protesters from an area for a photo opportunity. The piece, Go Back to School, showing a young student in a mask being forced to attend in-person school in the coming months while Trump brandishes a golf club. And The Bunker, which shows the president hiding with a teddy bear in reference to him being placed into a security bunker in light of Black Lives Matter protests. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so a little more information on this is the, <laughs> is the statues were placed in front of the Trump Hotel and Freedom Park in front of the mayoral office from... Uh, July 17th through the 19th. Um, since the beginning of the Black Lives Matter protests in late May, dozens of statues memorializing Confederate and problematic historical figures such as Christopher Columbus have been damaged, torn down, and defaced. Or defaced. Um, which is interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I think it's a powerful uh, form of activism, and obviously yeah. it's gotten into... The popular, um, I mean, it's gotten to the mainstream media, yeah. <laughs> right? And it's really ignited debate about um, these people that we learn about in history class mm. that are considered mythical and heroes, and then actually hearing, you know, once we actually learn who they were, right? Yeah, we, right. Yeah. We, I mean, we only learn a certain part of who they were the good parts. and what they represented the good parts oh, and who's like deeming those the good parts you know i mean they're like the good part but yeah. why are we learning about these people it's crazy and it's and it's odd and it like mm-hmm. it takes you down this path of then like you know having respect for them and then you come out and be like oh maybe oh, i should not have shit. done that uh for instance i used to live in south carolina charleston they just recently removed the john c calhoun statue from and, you know, going there as a child, it's on the battery. The battery is a, it's the thing. But there's this big park and this giant pillar. I'm bad at things. I'm going to say it's 50 feet tall. That's probably too high. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a giant statue at the top of it. And then, like, riding by, I noticed that it was gone. And I was like, whoa, that's super weird, right? But it's amazing that even in Charleston, where it's, I mean, it's, it's Charleston, South Carolina. It's pretty Confederate still. I'm not going to lie to you. Aye. And like even they decided like this is not something we need to have up. Like this mm. is not something we need to keep uh, idolizing. Yeah, they still have the street, the Calhoun Street, but I think that's going to be a much harder fight to change because it's a street it's, names. It's a it's a main thoroughfare. Like uh. everybody's on Calhoun. Like you can. It's like our it's like our Dodge. Dodge. Street. Yeah. In discussions, you know, we can talk about how Christopher Columbus was just a guy that got lost. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just let's let's talk about lost. that. <laughs> Workers from various Nebraska meatpacking plants rallied together to demand safer conditions on the steps of the Capitol on Tuesday. The rally was to draw attention to the high number of coronavirus cases in the plants. A longtime worker at Smithfield was protesting because he wants to see himself and his coworkers treated as, quote, essential, not expendable. 25% of all coronavirus cases in Nebraska have been employees of meatpacking plants. 
Most meatpacking workers are Latino, a demographic that makes up 11% of the state's population, but 60% of COVID-19 cases. State Senator Tony Vargas, a South Omaha district representative, is fighting to put safety precautions for meatpacking plant workers to a vote this legislative session. However, Vargas's request to submit a bill after the legislative due date fell two votes short on Wednesday. In a second attempt to get his packing house legislation passed, Vargas added his proposal as an amendment to another piece of legislation he proposed for this session. About 120 protesters demanding justice for James Scurlock and standing in solidarity with protesters in Portland were arrested in Omaha last Saturday night. Many arrested protesters were forced to stay in jail for over 12 hours. Douglas County Corrections officials blamed the long wait before protesters could make bail on computer malfunctions, but the violence the protesters say they experienced at the hands of police is yet to be explained away. We've created a special audio diary from the protesters' perspectives on that night. You can find that wherever you listen to Melee under the episode title, The Protesters' Diary, Farnham Street Bridge. Yeah, I definitely suggest everyone go listen to that. It's about 50 minutes, and we have many different voices that kind of give a timeline of the night, everything that happened. Um, Obviously not everything that happened, but as much as we could collect for this to get it out at a timely fashion. Um, And... Uh, I'm really, you know, I didn't actually work on editing that piece or anything. Um, so I will say that I'm very impressed with uh, what the team was able to put together. So definitely everybody should go listen to that. The Douglas County Health Board unanimously supported a resolution mandating masks for the city of Omaha. Douglas County Health Director Adi Poor says the mandate could go into effect as soon as August 3rd. Once enforced, the resolution will require anyone over five to wear a mask in public spaces when you can't keep six feet apart. The health board will work with Omaha attorneys to draft the language for an order and eventually do the same for the other areas of the county. Although there were many at the health board's meeting expressing concerns over a mask mandate, the recent peaks in the county's cases pushed the health board to their decision. After Lancaster County instituted their mask mandate not long ago, Governor Pete Ricketts expressed his plan to challenge the order. The governor is expected to challenge Douglas County's mandate as well. Uh, So everyone knows this week we don't have a special audio piece because we do have that extra 50-minute piece about um, the mass arrests on Saturday night. So uh, go over and listen to that for some extra content, and please share it and uh, pass it around because... It's important to get out there. Yeah, I love that there are so many different voices on there. To hear our discussion about today's stories, listen to the Melee Discussions podcast. Wherever you are listening to this show. And that does it for this episode of Melee. The show is produced by Joshua Labor. This this show is produced by me, Joshua (laughs) Labor. (laughs) Interviews and field recordings produced by Emily Chin Newton. Our theme song is by Culture House. Researched and fact-checked by Anushka Dar, Addie Costello, Vivian Caniglia. This is a collaboration of Figure, Noise, and Hi Omaha. To support this show, find us at patreon.com forward slash Melee News. We'll see you next Friday.